Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social-emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can. Welcome to Student Success Beyond Expectations. I don't know about you parents or about the teachers and administrators who are listening right now, but for me, one of the most challenging things in academics are really trying to teach reading to children who just don't seem to get it. They try so hard that your heart almost breaks for them. And, you know, there are signs of, gee, is this child dyslexic? I don't know, they're reversing letters. But then if you do your research and you really pay attention to some of the signs of what dyslexia is, it is so beyond letter reversals that I had to have here with us today Russell Van Brocklin because he has spent his lifetime learning about dyslexia, teaching about dyslexia to the point where, yes, he speaks at conferences. He has worked for New York State Education Department, and he was also funded by the New York State Senate to really dive in deep so he can move toward teaching individual children who have dyslexia to succeed, to believe in themselves. And us teachers and parents, don't we really need that information? But now what Russell has been doing is working on his program to go from teaching individual children to, re ready for this, teaching parents so they can teach their children. So Russell is here to tell us about some signs of dyslexia, and he's going to tell us some strategies that are very helpful. So even though we might be well-intended with trying to help, that we're not messing things up, right? So we really want to know what we're talking about. We want to get, recognize some of these signs. And if we're not sure, we know where to go. And one of those places that we can go to is Russell. He's going to tell us also a little bit about his program. And then all the information is going to be available for you in the description. So that way you can contact him directly because I think you're really going to have a lot of questions. You're going to find that he's got a wealth of knowledge. So thank you very much, Russell, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to letting parents know some new, new things about dyslexia. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, what are some of the, maybe let's go with the simple signs, the more common signs of dyslexia that we might notice. The main thing you're going to find about dyslexia is I want you to think about asking this to your dyslectic child or if they have attention deficit disorder or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Number one, you need to find out their speciality. There's, that's, there's, their speciality is comprises of two things. Number one, their area of extreme interest. And number two, their area of extreme ability. So they're both very interested and very good at a, something that's very narrow. 
Number two, once you find out their speciality, you need to ask them this question. Have you ever found in your speciality, have you ever found that you have ideas flying around your head at light speed? Key question, but with little or no organization. Mm. So again, have you ever found that you have ideas flying around your head at light speed, but with little or no organization? So Russell, how would you explain to a parent, how do they really... Mm -hmm teach children like organ organization like some kids might know what that is some might not so how would you kind of make that in a way that's understandable for the kids who not quite sure the kids know it okay. okay so if you ask them again we're talking like for example i'm just going to use bill bill loves fishing just okay. completely random so yep. if you ask bill how does he have ideas flying around his head at light speed but little to no organization in regards to fishing he's going to say yes Mm. what that tells us now to connect this to the science. So I'm about to explain very complicated neuroscience in a very small space. There's a book called overcoming dyslexia by Sally Shea, which second edition discusses the science thoroughly, but she missed something. So I would suggest getting a copy of that page 78 figure 23. And what you're going to find there is the back part of our brain has almost no neural activity back part of, of a non-impaired student is going crazy. There's a lot of neuroactivity. But the front part of the brain is vastly overactive, about two to three times. So what I found is that massive overactivity, there's little to no organ, organization. I know that because I'm dyslect, dyslectic with ADD. So what we found is the primary issue is with organization. So what we need to do is to help our students force their brain to organize itself through writing as a measurable output. Okay, through so writing. Using, okay, so we're- Yes, through writing because we can measure it. Right, so we're actually hitting two things right now. The mm -hmm. organizational part being clearly thinking and showing it through writing, correct? Correct. Okay. So what we're going to do with that area is if you also look there, it says this part of the brain deals with word analysis and articulation. Okay. So I have found for the past 20 years, we focus first on word analysis and then we follow by articulation. So just something to help everybody out. It's what we call our half circle course. And I will use this from students who can write, you know, Sarah dislikes swimming because reason one, two, and three. If you reach that level, we're ready for the half circle all the way through graduate students. So what that involves is here's the formula. We have a hero, then we have a universal theme, and then we have a primary villain, okay? Or what I call the optimum villain. So let's take, for example, Walt Disney. What is Walt Disney, what, is he, what did he want to do when he was a kid? He wanted to escape from all the torturous, repetitive work his father had him do after the age 10. Okay, so if you're a beginning student, you'll write one or two sentences, an intermediate student, a paragraph, advanced students in college or graduate school, five to 50 paragraphs. Then once you get done writing what the hero wants to do, the next thing we're going to ask you is, what are the action words, which, take, which takes you, the hero, from where they are towards where they want to go, the general direction, and the most important words. And as you go from beginning, intermediate to advanced, you're going to go from one word for each one to dozens of them. 
we show you how to filter those down to one word for each. Then you pick which way you want to go. That is what we call our base universal theme. All right. Now, what we do, what we do now is we go to thesaurus.com and we start looking over all the words. And what we're looking for is the word that best, the definition that best matches what's in, which is in the student's brain. So for each word, we'll have the student type out the word, then go to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, and we'll have them type out the definition. Not copy and paste, but type out. And then what we're trying to do is replace our base universal theme with a better word. And as we go down level by level, we're going to get to a point where the bottom level, the words aren't as good. And that last word we came to, that's our new universal theme that best matches which is in the student's brain. From there, we pick out our optimum villain who's going to prevent the hero, in this case, Walt Disney, from doing what he wants. In this case, it could be a person or a concept. It's his father, Elias Disney. So we have Walt Disney, and then we have a universal theme, and what we came up with was emancipation, and then Elias Disney. And those are separated by plus signs. The plus signs come from a visual default writing strategy from Dr. Collins at SUNY Center at Buffalo and strategies for struggling writers. So then we asked the student to read out loud, Walt Disney, Emancipation, Elias Disney. And we asked them, does that sound generally correct? They're gonna say no. So then we tell them to fix it. And the plus signs indicate you need to add words, subtract words or move words around. So then we come up with our base sentence and that's, that's what we call our half circle process. Now, if you apply that at an advanced level, let's say you have an AP English high school student and they have, they're have they going to be discussing Shakespeare. If they go through that process, I tell them at the advanced level, look for a secondary character or concept at a critical point in the story and go through this process. So when they discuss that section in class, they now have a word that the teacher or professor probably never associated with that particular point in the narrative. And now the professor or teacher has learned something. So that's just the beginning of our process. And using that simple process can take you from writing a simple sentence all the way through coming up with an original idea to say for advanced students. And here's the great thing about dyslectic students or those with ADD or ADHD. When we eventually get into our majors, but more importantly, when we get to graduate school, we are we have to that's now focused on our speciality and at that point we generally are the top students in the program from day one because they want us to be able to contribute in that narrow area and that's something we've been working on our entire life now this kind so, of success is is music to parents and mm-hmm. educators ears right now because mm-hmm. we work so hard to reach our kids but without the proper programs it seems like everybody is struggling. Could you give us some um, advice as for for teachers and for parents when they feel like they they're, they're trying their best to help their child or their student to read, but they're or write and they're just it's it's not coming together. So we were asking what they're uh, you know what they're interested in and what their ability is. So what what other kind of advice do you have that would be helpful for them to even support a program like yours? You know, when how do we work together and what kind of advice do you have for them? When especially when you're dealing with teachers, uh, we have what I call when we need to pull the kids out 
and get their reading and writing skills to grade level or above before we really bring them back into a normal program. The problem is our system is set up to go against people with dyslexia and ADD, and it's for gen ed students. Gen ed students, we want them to become well-rounded before we can specialize. And for dyslexics and ADD students, we want to specialize. We don't want to be well-rounded. So what I, I suggest is we pull the kids back. We give we have them pick a book in their speciality that's well-written, that doesn't mm -hmm. offend uh, community or parent standards. And then, for example, we focus on that book until we get their reading and writing skills up to grade level. So, for example, one of my most popular books is George Washington's biography. And I'll assign this monster to 10-year-olds who are interested oh. in George Washington. So we will go through a program, and by the time they get done with that book, which can take anywhere from six months to two years, they're reading that book and then writing on it at, at, at or above grade level. And then at that point, we put the students back into gen ed classes and they're going to be do they're going to be working fine. The issue is I primarily am moving to teach parents to teach their students this process at home so they can do it after the school day. And when they get their students to get at or above grade level, they can put them back in. They'll be fine. But the parents can control this. Yeah. And it's, it's easy for the parents to learn. We meet once a week. We answer their questions and we stay with them as long as needed. Some students will go through a program in a matter of a month or two. Some are with us for over a year before they're ready to move on to the next one. And at that point, the students are generally able to go back into the classroom. And most of the students, honestly, will get somewhere between an 80 to 90 grade point average at that point. What do you think the disconnect is between the schools and the needs in, in the way that you speak in terms of being able to provide instruction that is specialized compared to the general system that really caters toward that quote unquote norm where they're just teaching um, for their broad abilities? What, what do you think the disconnect is with that? The disconnect is, again, Overcoming dyslexia, the part of the gen ed student's brain is very active. And the entire field that I'm in is trying to increase that neural activity with some success. But when I looked at it, we have the, the, not, the dyslexic student has that massive over two to three times more overactive front part of the brain. And that deals with word analysis followed by articulation. So what I found is they're doing the wrong thing. They're not following, even Sally Shaywitz missed this. That's the most important part of her research that I found. To give you an example, my original program, we took the very best dyslectic high school students who are juniors and seniors with eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade writing skills. They're the best teacher. And I said, okay, let's focus on articulation. We use the graduate records exam writing assessment, which is the SAT test for going into grad school. These students went from zero percentile to six percentile with disgusting spelling and grammar to clean spelling and grammar that self-corrected mostly and scored average or above average for less than nine hundred dollars one class period a day for a school year cost the state less than nine hundred dollars they all went to college they all graduated that is just showing you an example of how powerful it is by focusing on our strengths and not our weaknesses but nobody knows this. I've been discussing this at conferences for the past 10 years, and yet 
very few people know this. Just well, in the last year, I've taught over, you know. Yeah, that's why I ask you that, because what do you think is the disconnect? Because according to the NIH, the research shows that there is one in five children or people have a dyslexia. And that means for a full year, they're saying that we may encounter two of our students um, in the classroom who have dyslexia. And what I know that we really don't feel very prepared to be able to uh, address those needs specifically. Well, as I said, that's why you have to focus on the front part of the brain. Like, for example, last fall, the, yeah, the state, the state of New Jersey, through uh, the New Jersey Association of Learning Consultants, I taught over eighty senior teachers and administrators how to take a student who couldn't write a sentence through a basic five-paragraph essay in two hours. Yeah. It's all it takes to teach teachers. It's very quick. And here's the key thing for teachers. You can take my process and you can adapt it to your teaching style and to the students you're teaching. Because they always say there's something about my program they don't like and they want to make substantive changes. I said, go ahead. You're certified teachers. You know what you're doing. And they love doing that. So, for example, I had one teacher who said he had a middle, grade, uh, uh, a middle school student. Uh, let's just call him Seth. He couldn't write a basic sentence. His bunch of randomly placed misspelled words. And she said it would take her 18 months to get him to do a five paragraph essay oh, because sure. she only saw him two or three times a week. And mm -hmm. she's happy with that because now she had something that she could understand. Mm -hmm. So the key thing is we need to take advantage of the best current science and just focus on the strengths of these students instead of their weaknesses. And then once we get their reading and writing skills, at or above grade level, we put them back in the normal class and they will operate generally just fine. And what ages do you work with? I prefer to start with at least fourth grade, uh, so nine to 10 at the youngest. And here's the simple reason. Um, Orton Gillingham is the, is, the, what, is the approach that wealthy families use. And as you get older in that approach, the longer it takes because you're going back to kindergarten. What I found with my approach is the older you are, the quicker you pick it up. So it's just a lot easier working with nine or 10 year olds to start because they just pick it up so much faster than seven or eight year olds. So that's usually the starting point. Do you find that when working with older kids or even young adults for the first time that they are a little bit more resistance than the resistance to learning or maybe very hard on themselves and think that they can't learn what they what they really want to compared to the younger students? At some point, either two things generally happen as they get older. They become defeated as a person. They don't see themselves as having any value or very little value, and they're very down on themselves. Or they become hyper-motivated. I, I generally find they fall in one of those two categories. But when I tell them, this was developed by somebody like you. And I asked that question mm -hmm. about their speciality. Do they have ideas flying around their head at light speed, but with little to no organization? They said, yeah, that's me. And I say, okay, we're going to correct your concerns based on this. And we're going to do it by forcing your brain to organize itself mm -hmm. by using writing as a measurable output. And then like, huh, I answer their questions and then they're in because it makes sense to them. These are very bright students yeah. and they're sick and tired of trying every thing out there that makes no sense. Right. And they feel understood. It sounds like they feel understood. At that point, yes, because 
they're like, ah, I get it. Like, yeah, that's my problem. Okay, now here's how we're going to fix it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we're going to be in your speciality. Oh, I get to select my book. Yes. Oh, okay. I mean, as I said, for example, with Casey, he was phenomenally interested in Theodore Roosevelt. And I said, okay, here's a 900-page book on the guy. And she just, for hours a night, went through the process on her own. And has said six. This is very unusual. But six months later, she's reading the book. She went from the worst reader in her class to by far the best. So, give you a quick story on that. He was in sixth grade now, just about ready to finish her book. She's in silent reading. Everybody else is reading Harry Potter or Twilight, and they come over and they say, "What's this?" She's got this thick book, and they picked it up, and none of the students could get past the first paragraph, and she could read the whole anything in the book. And they're just like, how did you do this? I said, well, I've been working on it every night, you know, for the past several months. So these skills are but transferable. That's what you're saying, which is great. Absolutely. Yes. They're transferable. Yeah. And once and once they transfer into one area, it transfers into pretty much everything. So that's why with our original program, all the kids went to college. They all graduated with no accommodations with grades between 2.5 to 3.6. Right. Not bad for $900 of taxpayer money. Right, right. So wh where do we find you? Where's the, where's all this information? How do we sign up? Okay. Our website is dyslexiaclasses.com. But the key point is I'm going to send you a link where because we're on the – because the, uh, I just want to thank you and your listeners for having me today. Uh, we're going to knock off $1,000 off the cost of our, of our normal webinars. So thank you. And also, uh, click on the link, which will bring you to my calendar, online calendar. We'll set up 90 minutes where I can speak with each of you one-on-one, -on -one, right. where we can discuss your individual concerns, and I can tell you how we can help you overcome them. And we can just do that on a one-on-one -on -one basis, which we don't normally do, but I just think because of this is a thank you for all the work you're putting in for the podcast. And I know that your parents are very motivated. Uh, I'll be happy to do this for them. So thank we can you. speak to them directly. Thank you, Russell. You know, we really appreciate that. Absolutely. The parents who really listen to this podcast, they come here for information, resources, and inspiration. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, you've been really able to give us some of that information today. You have a really solid place to go for them. And uh, we really appreciate your generosity, your time, and really your years of dedication to helping ch uh, children who struggle in the way that they do. So thank you well, very much. Well, I went much. through this. Yeah. I don't want others to go through what I went through. So thank you very much. There's no greater passion than that, right? <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Please remember to like and share this information in this podcast because we're going to have a lot of information where you can reach Russell and he'll answer all of your questions. And we look forward to hearing from you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast, where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. 
To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com, Amazon, and teacherspayteachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout-out on social media.